This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM. A very good evening to everyone and welcome to tonight's edition of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele. I'm, as always, I'm always delighted to be in your company as we debate and debunk very intricate um, governance issues. Uh, or issues that are bearing on what happens to do uh, on, on, on things that really happens in our little corners. You know, over the past couple of years, I've come to appreciate, you know, how economies are, are interwoven because of how macroeconomic issues and policy, certainty, the rule of law, leadership, stability, and independence of judiciary, um, and as well as the role of the rich engines, how all these uh, factors really determine the quality of our life. Um, I contend that if we cannot attend or manage macroeconomic issues such as unemployment, inequality, abject poverty, the civil unrest that we have seen today will definitely become a common feature, as it does not become a common feature. One of the uh, discussions I've had with the, 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 the CEO of uh, Business Leadership SA, Mr. Bonang Mahali, he maintained that the elements of Arab, Arab Spring are pertinent, are definitely alive in South Africa, and we have seen it, and 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 we all agree that it will be it will be foolish of us to ignore what we're actually seeing. As we are approaching the general election on, on on the 8th of May, it is important for us to choose leadership based on character, not history. It is important that we choose leadership based on shared values or common values. It is important for us to choose leadership which appreciate meritocracy as opposed to patronage. It is important for us to, to choose leadership which appreciate practical and pragmatic economic policies. We need to choose a political party which appreciate the role of research and empirical evidence, not just mere rhetoric. We need to appreciate uh, 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 or appoint or elect a, a, a party which respect electorate, not because of convenience, but it's simply it's the right thing to do. We also need to choose a party that is accountable to people not politician, as some um, have, as, as we have seen in the past. In the same vein, I, mean, I contend, we have seen a mushrooming of political parties, and this tend, in my view, tends to water down element of accountability. We have seen how, you know, some of the coalition governments in uh, Eastern Cape, uh, Tuali, as well as Ekurulene, really not giving the electorate value. So, on the flip side, in as much as there's, you know, there's, there's the alternative voices, but these voices, in some instances, as you've seen, don't seem to deliver the value that you are now looking for. In this morning, I had a very, I was quite privileged, I must say, that I had a, I was invited in, in the in a trial, trial conference, and I happened to sit next to Judge A.B. Sachs. You know, he, he was invited as the keynote speaker at the trial of business in business and society. And he emphasized in his speech, you know, corruption and how the light, the last line of defense, which is the constitutional court, stood its ground and firmly defended democracy by challenging and reversing several controversial decisions which has been taken by politicians over the past. You know, for, for us, you know, it tends to buttress or emphasize the quality of the kinds of conversation that we have in because we've always been pushing that kind of accountability. It is our responsibility, I maintain, that uh, we need to restore credibility. Um, at some point, South Africa was looked upon as a beacon of hope by the world. 
And what has happened over the past nine years? We've become a simply loving stock. Our SOE environment has collapsed, our CITAS, our law enforcement agencies. We have seen looting of chronic proportion. Look no further, state capture. Look no further, standoff of this, of this world. Anyway, uh, that's my very, you know, very uh, introductory note. Uh, in studio, I'm joined by, you know, a, a regular voice, uh, Justice Ndaba, who, whose contribution has always leave, um, left a very indelible mark. And tonight is definitely not going to be an, expect- an, an exception. And before we get to the real meat of tonight's conversation, I want to thank Kathy uh, by gracing the airwaves. Thanks. And she looks quite nice because she came back from Israel. And uh, Sasha Star, thank you very much. Simon Edston, uh, Mandy, and and then everyone else who came before. Um, as always, I'm not flying solo. I've got Tabo, uh, who's the producer of the show. Um, but just a quick recap. You know, tonight we're definitely looking at manifestos of different political parties. And on the line, we're going to be joined by the UDM, um, you know, president, uh, General Bantola Mista, and we're going to ask him a very simple question, and yet for, and, and yet very profound question. Um, the question is going to be. You know, General, uh, I believe is also already on the line. We want to know, um, you know, why should people vote for UDM? What is the value proposition which you didn't have uh, for the electorate? And good evening on that note. Hello, General, are you there? Hello, I can't hear you, but I can hear that you are speaking, but you're, you're, you're saying... I'm s- your technical people to assist you. Can't hear you. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just just a quick recap, uh, General. We just wanted to establish your value proposition. No, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, Chief. I'm sorry. Okay, we're gonna have to drop it there and come back in a second. While we're still trying to get uh, the line sorted with, um, you know, uh, with, um, um, you know, General Bantu Holomisa, I'm gonna take this opportunity to welcome Justice Indabat. Um, just how are you? How are you, Doc? Thank you very much for, for inviting me. Thank you very much. Uh, before we were, before you know, we obviously came to the show. The idea for us was very important to begin to have a rollout conversation, which looks at how political parties are presenting themselves mm. uh, before the electorate. Mm. And and earlier in my in my in my introduction note, I said it's about time that South Africans really reflect deeply in terms of who they vote. We need to vote or elect individuals based on character. Mm. We need to vote for leadership um, that that understands or promotes shared values. Mm. We need to, to have a leadership that appreciate meritocracy, which means um, gone are those days where people will be voted in or appointed in senior executive position, not because of merit, but because they are aligned to a political political party. While we're still getting a you know our land back, your, your take on that. Um, I think uh, our fundamental uh, challenge in South Africa is, is most probably our electoral system um, in the sense that in, the, uh, in our kind of environment, we elect on the basis of a party. Therefore, the, 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 while I appreciate and like the issue of electing character, Unfortunately, in our system, we have to choose a party, and the party um, obviously chooses for us who the leadership is going to be. So whether or not we appreciate the character of the person that the 
they nominate or put forward for us is neither here nor there. Is neither here nor there. Hold on to that point. Let me let's let's take this opportunity to welcome the 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 spokesperson for the IFP, Mr. Mkuleko Mkhengwa. Um, I believe he's on the line. Good evening, sir. Yes, good evening, sir. And welcome to Beyond Governance. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. IFP is one of the fourth largest uh, political party. Um, I, in I must I must interrupt. You. I'm not hearing you very well. The line is not good. Is the line? Uh, can you hear? Can you hear us now? Um, okay, I'm sure we'll manage it. Okay, great stuff. Thank you very much. Let's see how it goes. Um, we're approaching the elections, and every political party is throwing the best foot forward in terms of the kind of, um, you know, manifesto issues that they, their manifestos carries. Briefly, what is it that the IFP is promising the electorate, and why should people vote for IFP? Well, thank you very much. The IFP is presenting an eight-point plan in its manifesto with issues ranging from job creation and growing the economy um, dealing with education, health care, presenting a social package uh, for South Africans. Um, we are also looking at the issue of land and the environment. And so our manifesto is very, very comprehensive um, going into these elections. Moreover, we've got a proven track record as the IFP, particularly where we have governed, because uh, we have made sure that we, we provide um, you know, service delivery to the best of our ability and to the collective interest um, of all South Africans. Um, and so from every material aspect that you have looked at us, <clears throat> whether it's the manifesto we're presenting now with the track record of the IFP of service delivery, even in the municipalities that we govern, the 13 of them, um, you will be able to see um, that service delivery is at the forefront of our agenda, dealing with corruption, um, holding people accountable, um, we look at the mentality government for 10 years, the high prioritization of creating um, schooling infrastructure, education infrastructure, access to health care, even in the most remote of rural areas. Um, the fact that we are able to establish Itana Bank for the purposes of people who wanted to start businesses, um, but they had to, they were unable to give um, collateral. So, particularly black emerging SMEs. Um, you look at our interventions into healthcare, and you recognize as well that from HIV and AIDS to the provision of medication and so on, you realize that you've got a track record. But one of the key areas, of course, for us is the fact that unemployment remains very high in South Africa with 10 million people unemployed, an economy that is not growing well beyond 1%. It's currently stuck at 0.7%. You've got a shortfall um, in revenue generation of 234 billion rand, debt repayment costs to the tune of 180 billion rand. All those are indicators of an economy that's in trouble, and we believe as the IAP that we've got the necessary and those pragmatic interventions are going to jumpstart our economy create jobs um, and push back on the frontiers of poverty and inequality, um, which currently characterize the South African discourse. Thank you very much for that insight, Mkulego. But here's my point that perhaps maybe most South Africans uh, grapple with. Um, at the face value, most of the manifestos, they, they're quite palatable. Nice to hear you throwing statistics, nice to hear uh, you reflecting on the real issues. But, but we often miss the point in terms of the practical nature of translating you know, policy imperative to pragmatic program implementation that will see the line of the day because we know for the fact that just to change a mere policy 
it's not an easy exercise. It takes a while. But how do we, how do we, from the ISP point of view, how do we convince the electorate that we'll not be spending, um, you know, f- four years debating policy as opposed to implementation? Because this is one issue that we have seen in the past. <clears throat> Look, our best focus going into these elections and any party that does not respond to this would meet you of their head rate um, because it would mean that they are very much aloof and not in charge with the South African situation. We are dealing with a challenge of high unemployment, which is exacerbating poverty, exacerbating inequality, and is a contributory factor, factor to the increases in crime that we have seen in the country. Now, it is important, therefore, for us as a party to present an economic intervention uh, which is practical and pragmatic. And amongst the other things we're speaking about is a bigger focus on um, giving capacity to municipalities and provinces. We are looking at local economic development as a key driver for economic growth and jobs. Um, and we are looking at a national mapping exercise along the lines of identifying economic niche opportunities in the country. And what this means really is if Area X is got and the potential for um, agricultural um, development as an economic driver, then we need to develop that uh, area around um, agriculture, beneficiate that, create the necessary skills, knowledge, and expertise through basic education and higher education. So the interventions of the IFP is that we need to create an education system that responds to the needs of the job market and the economy and not the other way around, because what we have found now is that people are taking up uh, courses to study at universities and te- university of technology and to colleges, but when they actually graduate, they realize that the skill that they have um, is not necessary, is not required by the job market, or there's an oversupply. So we need to go back to basics and allow local economic development to be a job driver um, and create incubation programs um, for small businesses, because even research is telling us that um, small businesses are surviving anything beyond uh, two years simply because of a lack of financial knowledge and financial management. So if the business idea may be good, then the person may have the passion. In the absence of the necessary financial and business management skills, those businesses will not survive. So this calls for greater inter- integration um, and cooperation of state institutions, whether it's your NYDA, your CFI, your IDC, to actually make sure that these businesses um, are able to function. And there need to be a radical departure from tender-based and businesses and to look at things which are more sustainable. So we really want as the IFP to give everybody a fair chance and a fair opportunity to be able to make um, their end meet, restore their own dignity, push back on poverty with creating um, real job creators and job drivers for all South Africans. And so once you generate taxes to the businesses that you are going to support and grow, you're then able to um, roll out your social programs, whether it's your social grants, it's issues along um, the so-called NHI education. All those social interventions hinge on the economy that is growing, and we're able to generate taxes, and that's why I was highlighting the point that we've got a revenue shortfall of 234 billion rand. That should tell us that at some point, if that trend continues, there's certain social interventions that as a country we're not going to do. So at the heart of it is to grow the economy, develop it along infrastructure, road, electricity, um, and transport, logistics, and water, which create a conducive and enabling environment for businesses to operate, create jobs, 
necessary protections that we need. Thank you very much. We're going to have to leave it there, Kuleko Kengwa, who is the national spokesperson of IFP. I wish you all the best, my brother. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. There you have it. That is the national spokesperson of IFP, giving us real a rundown of the IFP's eight-point manifesto. Uh, let us hope it will deliver the goodies that it is, uh, is promising. I also believe that we now have um, the leader of um, um, ACDP. Well, he's not ready. Tabo says Tabo is not ready. Perhaps maybe let me just take this opportunity just to bring justice here. Uh, your view on the eight-point plan which has been put forward by the IFP, your take. I mean, at the festival, from where I'm sitting, at the festival, everything, they, they seem to have um, a, a appreciation of what is actually happening in the country. And I think the spokesperson is quite eloquent and is selling, is, is, is able to give us that kind of confidence um, that indeed they understand and they, they appreciate the magnitude of the deficit that we are at. But that on its own will never deliver. Your take? Yeah, um, I think um, a, a, a very good uh, pitch from Mashasha there. Um, in a way, I think uh, his speech is quite eloquent. But uh, in like all political parties, what I miss, though, is that... Um, like everything else, we, we miss practicalities or the how-to. You know, we at times there's good analysis of the... Uh, uh, what happened. What happened. But from so there, on. then it, it, it... From there on, the how-to becomes... So for me, the comparison after hearing all of them would be to, to maybe to assess the how-to and look at some of the specifics and practicalities. And I've already begun to see uh, one of them, for instance, the EFF, in, in, in some of the... E- ANC ones, but in terms of what Mashasha has just said now, um, I think they have some experience from from governing, maybe the province um, in in KZN. So that goes a long way. In in so we could measure them against some of the observations that we made while they were in power. What I missed though from the the perspective from where I'm coming from is that. Given that immigration is one of the biggest challenges facing South Africa, uh, he addressed a lot of economical questions. I missed their approach in, in with regards to how are they going to tackle our immigration challenges in terms of uh, dealing with asylum seekers, dealing with uh, the borders. and so Those are practicalities because when you rush, the, the challenges that we see that are emanating from service delivery issues, job creation, uh, the the failure to tackle immigration uh, goes to the core of that particular challenge because you can begin to see the the practicalities of competing for those those opportunities. And in one way or the other, it's getting into violence, and we're beginning to see that. So I'm failing to see... Uh, some of the practicalities of political parties with respect to that theory as they put together. But um, if I could have heard how they're going to deal with that, I would have uh, been happy. I think my other issue is that um, I I need to begin to see what is it they're going to do in tackling the the Gini coefficients. uh, We know that our major problem, one of our major problems remains inequality. Inequality, yep. You know, so what are the things that they're going to assist and and practically to assist us to close that that gap of unequal society? 
Um, and it, it's well and good to say, no, we'll eliminate poverty. But, I mean, that's just a statement. What are the things that we are practically have to do? So, for me, it was the immigration approach, the issue of uh, closing the inequality gap. And then I think uh, I, I'm yet to hear them, especially the AFP, talking about uh, the challenge of labor and the labor uh, 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 issues, whether it's legislation, whether it's... Uh, you, we know that we can't run away from that, and we know we, be, we need to begin to hear, uh, because you can't take, for instance, the immigration issues already. If you look at it, there's a touch of labor in it. If you go to uh, many of these, uh, whether SOCs, whether it's private companies, there's challenges of productivity. If you go to the mines now, there's challenges of um, uh, 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 management relationship and labor issues. So those are the kinds of things from where I'm sitting that I need to begin to see and which I'm not picking up in any of the manifestos at this point. Thanks thanks for that insight, Justice. But perhaps maybe um, in his defense, um, he picked up quite a bit, which I think ordinarily, if we were to focus on, um, we're more likely to Trans, you know, to 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 change the economy a lot in in in, in, a, in a faster mm. uh, way. For example, he he referred to education. Mm. He acknowledged that our education system is not uh, responsive to the needs of the labour market, mm. um, and 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 he also acknowledged that the university sector, as it were, um, it, it require a bit of transformation. We 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 obviously need to relent that you yeah, know you okay, know we okay. obviously need to get to a point where the our FET colleges we need to empower youth with technical skills Absolutely. um that as required but you see that's another issue how do we do that yes. i think I, I that was not forthcoming yeah. Yeah. because it is you know in this country we all know that um universities um enjoy status Mm. Uh, more than FET colleges. Mm. FET colleges are still treated like a stepchild mm. uh, of the higher education band. And it cannot be. And it cannot be mm. because when you look at um, you know, first world countries such as Germany, mm. you know, Germany FET college, colleges are the core. Mm. The BMWs, the Mercedes Benz that have been driven around uh, are not produced by, you know, university <laughs> students. They are produced by FET college students. And, and, and mm. we, we, one of the issues that perhaps maybe um, would have wanted to hear from the SPs how do we change the mindset? Mindset. How do we change the mindset in the higher education brain so that all the matriculants who are entered into the space have a perspective, have a reference point in that uh, there's no point of having to having a qualification um, at the university level, which ultimately you know uh, is not addressing the the the, the requirement. For, for me, that's, that's something that I, is lacking. Actually, I agree with you fully there. The mindset issue is a problem in the sense that we position our education system in such a way that, one, we train our first 12 years people to look forward to a metric certificate. <laughs> and then we also have trained them that immediately you have a metric certificate, you must go to university. Mm. And so people literally look for let me get my, my trick certificate, let me get my bachelor's, and from there, honors and so on and so forth. So we forgot that in the years past, we used to have technical colleges, real technical colleges, whether across the skill spectrum. You know, remember yourself, we used to have t uh, teachers' colleges in those days. We used to have the, the vocational schools. So 
and technical schools, even as technical schools. So we need to also address that policy-wise and also practically in terms of uh, addressing uh, uh, policy and actual behavioral change of convincing the students that not everybody needs to go to varsity. Uh, you uh, as well would be as capable as an artisan and have contribution in the economy even if you go to a TVET, typically, you know. So I'm happy when I saw recently that uh, BMW is going to Roslyn and they're going to build the X3 from there and hopefully they would uh, take the, the local youth and try and train them into technicians, you know. So, so, so I think I agree with you. I can't fault anything that you've just said there. But, but here's the thing that I, you know, most politicians and when all these manifestos, you know, in a short while we'll hear uh, the, the president of the um, African Christian Democratic Party, uh, Reverend Meshe, um his very proposition from ACTP side of things. And I hope, I hope most politicians could bear or would appreciate because it's, there's only so much you can say in a, in a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, it is these kinds of conversation and platforms that we need to create so that we are, we are able to drive a particular thought process amongst the electorate. Mm. Um, and, and, and in the main, which most political parties really lack, it is that behavioral change. Mm. How do we create a mindset that says you do not require a university piece of paper? <laughs> in fact, university pa- piece of paper in some universities is not worth the paper that is it's written on. Yeah. You know, this obsession with 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 um, universities, it's misleading, mm. and 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 we we need to have uh, more and more politicians denouncing the value of higher education, especially of the university, unless you are more specialized. Um, humanities, the market is flooded mm. with humanities. Mm. Somebody's doing a BA, generic BA. Who's going to employ you? I think we need to go back to the days of all. One of the other things that we're discussing, which is still a big debate nowadays, is to try and convert this three-year degree to a four-year degree. You know what I mean? Um, because now it's easy. You just do three years. You've got a. I mean, you, they, there's no hope that in three years you get your uh, because. That in itself means that what we produce for companies is not sufficient. Any graduate nowadays, uh, when they graduate and decide to go into employment, the employer has to spend close to a year training them and and preparing them for for industry. So it shows that there's a gap there. A massive gap indeed. Perhaps maybe we're going to just take a quick break uh, and we'll get uh, Reverend Misha coming board uh, with um, his view from ACDP. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. Uh, We're just giving a rundown in terms of... uh, political party manifesto. We've just had a terrible line with uh, General Bantu Holomisa. We'll obviously try and get it through. Uh, following General um, you know, Holomisa, we had a conversation with um, Mr. Mkuleko Mshengwa, who is the sport, national spokesperson and a member of parliament for the IFP, giving us a, what they refer to as an eight-point plan in terms of how they will take the economy forward. Uh, and, and, and you know, most of the issues that he presented, very eloquent, um, very straightforward, 
but but from a statement point of view, I think we do need electorate or we do need political parties that give us a rundown because what is missing in the main, it is the how part. Um, for an example, I mean, I'm yet to hear the value of meritocracy in this country. Um, and we've seen some of our best universities over time um, have, have, have literally uh, fell off the global radar in terms of quality of education. You know, for those that have been to universities like Vets and UCT, you know, where we all come from or where most of us come from, will tell you that, you know, the quality has has, has dropped, whether you like it or not. It is a fact. Um, The question is, um, do uh, do politicians um, understand and how do they address the issues of quality? Um, You know, do we push equity? Do we push quantity at the expense of quality? Those are the debates that we need to be, you know, uh, thinking about and really, you know, getting, um, you know, electorate to be thinking much more uh, clear, you know, clearly around because uh, it is important, you know. Uh, we understand that um, in the higher education space, equity is in, redress is important, but at what, at what cost? You know, quality always have to remain. That is why, you know, uh, in some quarters, some of us really get, you know, wrinkle around wrinkle on the basis of pushing, you know, merit. Because merit, ultimately, you got to be judged on the basis of the output. Simple. If the out, if the inputs, insofar as the admission criteria and the processing of a graduate is of substandard, forget it. We're not going to get to a point where the quality, we, we, we're not going to get to a point where we are going to be competitive. Let us look at our FET colleges. And I used to be exposed to FET colleges. Most of the lecturers who taught FET colleges have never set foot in an industry. How do you expect somebody who completed an three to become a a, a leader or a, a a competent individual in imparting knowledge when the level of exposure insofar as what the world of work looks like, when the reference point is a N3? You know, so these are some of the issues that we need to be cognizant about. And I want to hear more and more of the political parties reflecting on these critical issues, because ultimately, you know, if you really want to push quality, we need to have uh, a, a, a greater appreciation of um, our admission uh, and, and criteria. And how do we shift, you know, this obsession from, um, you know, obsession with high university? And I hear, um, you know, uh, Reverend Mishra is online. I would like to take this opportunity to welcome him. Reverend, good evening and welcome. Reverend Mishra? I, I believe we've got a bit of a technical problem with uh, Reverend Mishra's line. We're going to chime in again. Is Reverend Mishra, are you, uh, are you there? Oh, uh, hello, hello. Hi, 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 Reverend. We, we can hear loud and clear now. Good evening and welcome to Beyond Governance, sir. The line is better. I can't, I can't even hear your name. You pronounce my name. Oh. I can hardly hear you. Sorry, we, we, the line is quite big. Let's just see if you can try it again. Um, just listen, let me bring you in. I mean, again, uh, said we can't, we couldn't get a hold of, um, you know, yeah. uh, Reverend Mishra. Uh, based on what you see or what you know in terms of what the ACDP is all about, uh, you know, what is missing in your view? Uh, uh, maybe just before we 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 we, we go there, they, taking you on your last point in terms of the FET colleges, I think that's a very important point you made. And 
I thought that the 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 the, the, the industries of the past, mm. w- which they did very well, mm. was to collaborate and to uh, 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 get into agreement with high schools or technical schools or FT- FET colleges, for instance. Uh, <coughs> where I grew in the in the in Riches Bay, you had uh, uh, the alusaps, uh, the aluminium smelters. There, um, they would go and sign SLA agreements with the FET College to say, look, we we will undertake to to orientate your lecturers. Okay. Uh, Justin, hold on a second. I believe uh, Reverend Misha is back online. Hopefully, the Lani won't give us uh, gimmicks like it did in the past. Good evening, Reverend. How are you? Reverend Misha. Is, is, we'll, we'll do our best to get the line as 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 proper as possible. Um, the question that I wanted to ask, which I've asked other you know leaders uh, in your space, is the the manifesto. What is it that the ACDP is promising the electorate? Um, we 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 are looking at uh, a South Africa that can be a true South Africa for all South Africans. And as many promises were made that uh, there will be a better future for all our people, but there are a number of things that are hindering that better future to manifest. And uh, when we look, for example at how crime affects job creation, how crime affects unemployment, how it contributes to poverty. These are some of the things that the ACDP believes have to be addressed and that we want to address. Maybe let me just give a bit of specifics. Absolutely. Um, so the investors want to live in a place where they feel safe, number one, and if their families, where their families are safe, and where their assets are saved, where their buildings and property are saved. <clears throat> now we know that in South Africa, even for a very small uh, reason to protest, our people are prone to destroying property. They burn stuff that makes people very uncomfortable, people very timid and fearful, and as a result, this hinders uh, investment. Crime has to be dealt with, and the HDB believes that the more crime is not punished, criminals are not punished the more they will continue committing crime. Now, look at the issue of corruption. Now, the world looks at South Africa, and some people are saying we are now becoming among the top corrupt countries in the world, and people are asking the question, what is that to those who are implicated? Why are they not taken to court immediately? You know, something interesting happened in France. A cathedral bed, a very famous popular cathedral, already the prosecutors are investigating the matter. Even before the planes were all put out, the prosecutors were on the case. But in South Africa, there have been allegations upon allegations, but prosecutors are not doing anything, the NT is not doing anything, and people are saying, well, corruption does pay in South Africa. And we believe that as long as crime and corruption are not dealt with ruthlessly, then we are going to bring that investors from coming. And if it is investors do not come to South Africa, we are going to have a problem of high unemployment. And we believe that South Africa should be competing among the best on the African continent when it comes to doing investors so that we can have proper in, uh, employment in South Africa. And if obviously we have employment in South Africa, poverty is going to be reduced.
criminal activity and crime as a matter of priority. Now, when we look at education, we believe one of the reasons for high unemployment is that um, the courses that many of our people graduate have done are not what the market needs or not what businesses need. So the ACDP is saying when we look at uh, when we look at uh, education, we, not, we must meet the needs of business, yeah, must meet business needs, so that when our children complete graduate either from high school or from university, they will be having sufficient skills that are needed in order to get a job. Now, on the issue of um, on the issue of tertiary um, education, we need to start encouraging our young people to go to. We used to call the Amber School, schools where they are teach the children are taught and equipped with skills so that they learn to work with their own hands because just going to university to get a BA degree in something that is not needed on the market is just going to be a way. So we are encouraging that we need to have trade schools. We must reintroduce trade schools so that when children leave high school, they all can do something with their own hands. And we need to also inculcate in them the need for starting their own businesses. We must teach them entrepreneurial skills so that when children finish school, the first thing that comes to their mind should not be, I'm going to look for a job. I can't do anything myself. I'm going to look for a job. We want children to be skilled so that when they finish their school, they say, well, if I don't find a job, at least I can do something with my hair. Thank you. The issue, Sorry. So the issue of uh, health care. We have a very inadequate health, health service in South Africa. We have grandmothers, we have poor old ladies, some in the 70s, 80s, standing in the queue for a long time, for hours, in order to get medication. Sometimes they go to, go to hospitals or they go to clinics and they don't find medication. Why? Because administration of our hospitals is very, very poor. So the ACDP will ensure that even for school, children are taught proper sanitation and clean water. And this clean water and sanitation, hygiene, for example, when we were in school, we were taught that the first thing when you wake up, open the window, when you wake up, you do your own bed. These are things that we were taught in primary school that children today are not taught. Sanitation is not taught, but we are saying to have a better, improved health service then our children must understand the basics of health education, the basics of hygiene. That's what we are saying uh, about health education, for example. Can, can I just chip in here, Reverend, if you, if you may? Um, you know, I, can't, uh, I can't hear you, sir. Uh, uh, can I just chip in? I think, I think the line is quite bad. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Reverend Moshe. Uh, we'll try, uh, perhaps maybe in the future, we'll get a proper line so that we, we, we can engage thoroughly. In any case, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. There you are. The line um, didn't do us a favor there. Tabo, we really need to do something with the lines. Um, but anyway, Reverend Mosha uh, just is raised two critical issues. One, it is the safety of uh, investments or creating the investment environment which is conducive for or environment which is conducive for business to, to thrive. And his view is that um, we, we, we're nowhere nearer. Um, in, in, in as far as that, and two, we need to get to a point where, uh, you know, criminals or those that, that, that are found wanting, you know, by law, um, you know, we expedite the process um, so that we create that precedent. But what, what perhaps maybe, and again, 
which is an issue which uh, I, I don't know it's a question of time or it's a it's an issue which politicians don't really think about. Uh, you know, nice statement that you make. You know, we will do that. We will do that. Mm. Um, you know, the, the 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 biggest trust or the biggest issue is trust. How do you have dialogues with uh, youth, for an example, for them to understand the value of technical education? Firstly, you need to have a dialogue with the parents, who then have the with the teachers, with community leaders on one item only. You know, how do we change the mindset between higher education, between universities and FET college? That on its own, cities of dialogues where people have a conversation. You bring top leaders, you bring people who um, do not have um, university degrees, but who have FET college qualification, you know, um, as a reference point. Because there's no way of talking these things without, without anybody who has gone through FET College route and who is successful and who's doing well because people want to see, mm. you know. So so uh, this is one thing that, that I'm missing mm. because that's a way, one practical way of changing the mindset. And you don't change the mindset towards the elections. You change the mindset way before the elections so that you, 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 you become clearer and appreciative of how, you know, you're going to change uh, the perception that um, universities are better than FET colleges, which they're not. FET colleges um, are definitely a way to go. We can't talk of the fourth industrial revolution when we're not producing anything. You know, IP, there's only so much that you can do with IP, intellectual property. You know, we need to get to a point where we invest uh, more money in FET colleges. We, we, we recruit and train competent and high-level, uh, you know, technical skills so that everybody else who goes into FET colleges begin to see. So far, we're not seeing that. Your take on it? Well, there's two things that I want to mention, having looked at many of these manifestos anyway, in the sense that when you look at most of them, it's almost like you're reading the same thing. One, um, well, I must give credit to the ANC in this stage because I, I put money of them and calculated the words um, and in some instances, for instance, on the DA, I was already on 40,000 40, words. <laughs> and then on, I think on the NC one, it was around twelve or 13,000 words. Uh, the, the AFL was around 30,000. So what does that tell you? It's, it's, it's quite a lot because to express your own intentions. And also given that there is no uh, political parties want to be everything to everybody. So everybody has listed everything of the challenges. And no one says, for instance, these are the top three things that we will do. If anything else, we will do this and fail on these. And rather that than do a shopping list of uh, uh, 10, 10 million things on paper. For instance, now we know, because we're talking education, as we speak, we know in South Africa we cannot throw money at the education problem because it is already... Uh, the second, or in fact, the top highest uh, budgeted item in, in South Africa, Inc., between education and health. Therefore, it's not the issue of money. It's the issue of, 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 of how do we spend and get value from the rent. If it was an issue of money, Kenya would not be doing better than us. 
Lesotho, uh, in Swaziland, in Swaziland and all of these places, doing, you know? what is it that they are doing which for some reason they are able to arrest the issue of skill, arrest the issue of technical, arrest the issue of quality from universities and so forth and so forth. So if, for instance, from the manifestos we could be getting and beginning to unpack the actual steps that each of the parties can can do differently. In other words, like you asked, I liked your question when you opened, because you asked each of them, what is their value proposition? And so far, I don't know whether we got the value proposition, because what we we getting is what everybody else... The shopping list. We will, yeah, they, they will do. What, uh, what we need to do now is that so far in South Africa, this is what we've been doing. What we will do differently is these kinds of things. And and, and, and then we get practical steps because we are not short of policies and strategies and things like that that we have in abundance. Here's one critical issue. Um, I'm not sure if I picked it up. Uh, maybe let, before, let me just acknowledge an SMS uh, from Rodney. He says, excellent pro- program as usual. Um, um, what is this about? Um, what about the, um, um, well, what about the FET colleges or colleges? I can barely see properly from here. Uh, thank you very much, anyway, Rodney, for that comment. Um, one of the issues that I've, I, I, I don't get in most manifestos, if we believe that South Africa's economic viability is intertwined with that of a region, um, we're talking regional integration. Yeah. When you're talking of regional, when South Africa's um, you know, uh, trade deficit, how do we get to a point where we, we trade with Lesotho, Swaziland, Mozambique, and so on and so forth, all these blocks? Yeah. Um, because that can in the long term, address um, the, the, the flux of, um, you know, uh, uh, so-called um, alien uh, uh, immigrants. Asylum yeah. seekers. Asylum seekers yeah. and so on. Because that, that's one biggest lever um, yeah. that most politicians, um, I know, I mean, when you look at the, the percentage-wise in terms of how Africa trade with itself, we're still sitting less than 10%. Mm. And at the most, 15%, when you look at the states, I mean, yeah. the, the figures in a double digit, you know, way up there, because mm. there is that regional integration. So I, I don't think, well, our politicians understand that kind of uh, integration and the extent to which South, Africans, South African economy is in total with that of the region. They do, but uh, I think the, there's different interests at this point. One of the fa- my favorite regional blocks right now is ECOWAS. Which is the Eastern Bloc. So, the only, and we do have SADC, but mm. I don't know whether we have enough, uh, will in there to, to compete and push to the level where ECOWAS is, which is the Eastern Bloc mm. of, of economic, uh, tribe. So, we, we have, because the, the rest of the world, we are only one billion people in, 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 in Africa. And in, in SADC alone, we probably just under 500. So, we have to think, ourselves as a regional block, not as a country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, Justice, unfortunately, we go, we are running out of time. Once again, it has been an interesting conversation. We do need to have more time, Tabo. We need to have more time to bring in uh, political parties as we, as a build up towards the election so that they reflect on their manifesto. We really hone, zoom in and hone in on the how part, not the what. Yeah. Uh, everybody gives us uh, theses in terms of what has happened. We know what is happening. The most credible uh, solution is how we're going to do it. 
and what sort of program and skills and competencies do we need or do you have to change the picture as it were? Once again, thank you very much for coming through Ndaba. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tabo. There it is. We unfortunately are going to have to leave it at there. It has been an absolute pleasure. Tabo, have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.